0: Hello everybody, Luke's English Podcast is free, but if you would like to reward me for my work this Christmas, then why not send me a Christmas donation? You can do that by clicking one of the donate buttons that you can find on my website. It's done through PayPal, it's all safe and secure, and uh, it's probably the most sincere way that you could say thank you for these episodes of Luke's English Podcast. Okay, right now let's get started with this new Christmas episode of Luke's English Podcast, and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Welcome to this special Christmas edition of Luke's English Podcast. I'm feeling very Christmassy here. All my shopping has been done, and I'm now looking forward to getting together with my family tomorrow. Uh, I'm just here with a lovely warm fire. You can hear it in the background. And I've managed to find the time to record an episode of Luke's English Podcast, especially for Christmas. And in this one, I'm going to uh, tell you a story, okay? But first, I'd like to uh, say a very Merry Christmas to all of you all around the world. I hope that you're spending a pleasant time full of yuletide cheer and festive spirit, even if Christmas isn't something that you celebrate. I I usually like to do a special Christmas theme- Christmas-themed Christmas episode of Luke's English Podcast at this time of year. Uh, in the past, I've done other Christmas episodes, and you can check them out if you haven't already done that. Um, let me tell you a little bit about some of those old uh, Christmas-themed episodes. Um, number 78, Luke's English Podcast episode number 78, was called Christmas, It's All About Family. Um, and uh, that one featured me and my brother James talking about Christmas and uh, family traditions and things like that Um, then there was episode number 158 and 159 um, and that one's called A Cup of Tea with Paul Taylor that was the first time I had Paul on the podcast Um, and if you haven't listened to that one you can go back into the archives and find it and in in that one I kind of talked to Paul about various things including some stuff about Christmas Um, Then there was episode number 160, which was called The A to Z of Christmas, and in that one I spoke to another friend of mine, and we went through pretty much everything that you need to know about Christmas in the UK, all of the traditions and all the culture and stuff that relates to Christmas. Um, That was episode number 160. And then last year, I did episode 245, which was called Merry Christmas and Other News, and that one was accompanied by a video. So if you want to check out those episodes in which um, I talk about just general culture and all the things that you need to know about Christmas um in the uk and all the sort of english language references to christmas uh then go back into the archives and find episode 78 158 and 159 episode 160 and episode number 245 as well so anyway this one is episode number 320 and um this one is entitled uh, a christmas carol by charles dickens and i'm going to tell you a story in this one um so um that's right, we're going to eat a nice big slice of Christmas podcast cake in this episode in the form of this classic story by Charles Dickens. This is a story that many people know and it's firmly associated with the general sentiment of Christmas in modern Britain and in other parts of the world as well, no doubt. Um, and this is the idea that Christmas is a time of generosity, of stopping your work and focusing instead on the important things in life, like your family. Um, I'm going to read you a version of this story, uh, which you can find reproduced on the page for this episode if you would like to read with me. In fact, this episode is almost 100% transcribed, so if you want to read the words that you're listening to, then just go to the website, find the page for this episode, and you'll find um, a a pretty much 100% completed transcript for this one. Um, So I, I actually found this version of the story on a website called Family Christmas Online, And you can just go to familychristmasonline.com to find more Christmas-themed stuff. Um, I should probably give some credit to Teresa Race Hoffman, who um, edited this version for public readings. Um, This is a reduced version of the story, and I've also modified it myself a little bit to make some of the language more up-to-date. But generally, the style that you're going to hear in this story is quite similar to the original Uh, English language um, style that was written by Charles Dickens originally in 1843. Um, Before I read the story to you, here is a a preface about how A Christmas Carol made Charles Dickens one of England's best-loved writers. So sometime in 1843, Charles Dickens decided to publish a quality Christmas book that would reach people in two ways. Firstly, it would... um, it would use a very original story in order to plead for compassion for the poor. And secondly, it would be affordable, bringing quality literature in a well-made book to a wide audience. So that was his aim. Um, Dickens' publisher didn't really believe in the project, so Charles Dickens ended up financing the book himself. He spent money on a, on a quality leather binding and on many quality illustrations, several of which were hand-tinted. Uh, which is a very expensive process. As a result, the first printing of a, ch- of a Christmas Carol made very little money. It was very expensive to produce, but it rapidly became Dickens' most popular work. The book was soon reprinted and was adapted for the stage. Um, in later years, Dickens often read a shortened version of the story aloud in public. A Christmas Carol has never faded from popularity since. In fact, There have been a few different film versions of the story, including A a Muppet's Christmas Carol starring Michael Caine, which is actually probably my favourite version of this story. Um, So how did A Christmas Carol help to change the way that we think about Christmas? Um, By the time A Christmas Carol was published, Christmas in Britain had kind of disintegrated into an excuse for a week of year-end partying. Not only had Christ become absent from English Christmases, but so had certain virtues like compassion, a virtue that Dickens believed that the poor greatly needed, especially at the onset of cold weather each year. A Christmas Carol helped the English and eventually the people of many countries to gain a new appreciation for Christmas and for the plight of the poor. Perhaps the greatest change was the growing importance of family Christmas celebrations in a culture where the wealthy had often sent their children to the nursery early on Christmas so that they could better enjoy their dances and parties. As an example, as an example, author Tim Hallinan claims that December sales of toys rose dramatically in the decades following A Christmas Carol's publication. Today many people in the world tend to think of Victorian England as a time and place where Christmas was done right. But without the influence of Dickens and this story, such hearty celebrations of goodwill may never have occurred. Um, This is the original preface to the story that was written by Charles Dickens uh, in 1843. And these are his words. And he wrote, "Um, I have endeavoured in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put my readers out of humour with themselves, with each other, with the season or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly and may no one wish to lay it down. Their faithful friend and servant, Charles Dickens, December 1843. So, let's begin the story, okay? Are you sitting comfortably? I hope so. Um, Here it is, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Part one, Marley's ghost. Marley was dead, to begin with. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. This must be understood, or this story will mean, will mean nothing to, to anybody. So we start with the fact that Scrooge's business partner, Marley, had snuffed it. He was pushing up the daisies. He was an ex-partner. He'd carked it. He was a goner. He was dead. Scrooge now carried on the money-lending business alone. He never painted out old Marley's name on the door of the office, even though his old partner was definitely dead. The company was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people called Scrooge, Scrooge, and sometimes they called him Marley, but he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. Oh, Scrooge was a selfish old git. He was as cold as a freezing winter night, and he didn't thaw out one degree at Christmas, He hated Christmas and everything it stood for. No season of goodwill for him. It was just another excuse to grumble and moan and stay at home counting his money. One dark Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was biting foggy weather outside. Scrooge had a very small fire in his office. But next door in his clerk's office, the poor fire was even smaller and barely warm. His poor clerk, called Bob Cratchit, had worked for Scrooge for years and yet had never received a pay rise. Scrooge always paid him the minimum wage. "'Merry Christmas, Uncle,' said Scrooge's nephew Fred, coming into the room. "'Bah!' said Scrooge. "'Humbug!' "'Christmas a humbug, Uncle,' he said." "'You don't mean that, do you?' "'If I could work my will,' said Scrooge indignantly, "'every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips "'should be boiled with his own pudding "'and buried with a stake of holly through his heart.' "'The nephew answered, "'Don't be angry, Uncle. "'Come to our place for Christmas tomorrow.' "'Bah, humbug Christmas. "'Don't talk to me about Christmas. "'It's all just a big jumped-up shopping spree "'invented by the Americans.' The whole thing is just invented to get your money out of your pocket. Well, not mine. I'm keeping mine. You do Christmas your way, and I'll do it my way, here on my own, just like every other day. Thanks very much. Suit yourself, Uncle, but we'll miss you this year again, said Scrooge's nephew. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon, said Scrooge. His nephew even stopped to wish Merry Christmas to the clerk. The poor, cold clerk, Bob Cratchit managed a thin smile and a weak Merry Christmas in return as Scrooge's nephew left. As he left, Fred let two other people in. They entered and bowed to Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley, said one of the gentlemen. Mr. Mr. Marley, Scrooge replied, died seven years ago this very night. Oh, sorry for your loss, said one of the men. What do you want? snapped Scrooge. Mr Scrooge, said the gentleman, it looks like it's going to be an especially freezing winter this year. A few of us are going to buy some meat and drink for the poor, and some blankets to keep them warm this Christmas. What would you like to give? Nothing, said Scrooge. If they've got no money, they can borrow it, or failing that, go to the debtor's prisons. Many would rather die, said the man. If they would rather die, said Scrooge, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Scrooge went back to his work. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness and biting cold thickened. Some carol singers walked by Scrooge's office. One cold young boy stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole to sing a Christmas carol. God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. As soon as he heard it, Scrooge jumped up so that the singer fled in terror, leaving the keyhole to the fog. At length, the hour of shutting up arrived. Scrooge nodded to the clerk, Mr Cratchit, who instantly snuffed his candle out and put on his hat. You'll want the day off tomorrow, I suppose, said Scrooge. Yes, please, Mr Scrooge. It's only once a year after all. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December, said Scrooge. No day off for you. I expect you to be here extra early next morning. Scrooge went home to his gloomy house. The yard was dark and the fog and frost hung about the place. Now the knocker on his door was very large and ordinary, but tonight it looked like Marley's face. Marley's face. The eyes were wide open, and its greyish colour made it horrible in the half-light. As Scrooge looked, it became a knocker again. He did look carefully, but the knocker was still a knocker. Oh, load of old nonsense, said Scrooge to himself. He closed his door and double-locked himself in. He walked through his rooms to see that all was right, and sat by the fire. Humbug! he said stupid christmas i'll be glad when it's all over and people start acting normally again and then he heard it a clanking noise from the cellar as if some person were dragging a heavy chain scrooge tried to ignore it and opened his paper then he heard the sound again the noise of heavy chains being dragged and a faint sound of moaning Scrooge suddenly sat upright in his chair. The noise was real, and it was getting louder. Suddenly, the cell door flew open with a booming sound, and then he heard the noise coming up the stairs and straight towards his door. Quickly, it came on through the heavy door and passed into the room before his eyes. It was Marley, back from the dead. The chain Marley pulled was long, and made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks and purses. His body was transparent so that Scrooge could see the two buttons on his coat hanging on the on the door behind. "'What do you want with me?' said Scrooge. "'Who are you?' "'In life I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Humbug, I tell you, humbug!' At this the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook its chain. Scrooge fell upon his knees. He asked the ghost, The ghost asked him, "'Do you believe in me or not?' "'I do,' said Scrooge, "'I do, but why do spirits walk the earth "'and and why do they come to me?' "'It is required of every man,' the ghost returned, "'that the spirit within him "'should walk abroad among his fellow men, "'and if that spirit does not go forth in life, "'it is condemned to do so after death.' "'You're chained!' you're chained said scrooge trembling tell me why i wear the chain i forged in life and by the very work i did with you replied the ghost i made it link by link and yard by yard and of my own free will i wore it scrooge trembled more and more do you know pursued the ghost your chain was as heavy as this seven Christmas eves ago, and you have made it longer since then. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob, faltered Scrooge. Business, cried the ghost, wringing its hands again. Mankind was my business. Greed was my business. I spent my life on this earth obsessing over money and mistreating the poor and wretched to fill my pocket. Old Scrooge, I am condemned to walk the earth for eternity never to find rest or peace. I am here tonight to warn you, pursued the ghost. You will be hunt you'll be haunted by three spirits. I- I'd rather think not, said Scrooge. They will come to teach you a lesson. Expect the first tomorrow, said the ghost, when the bell tolls one. Expect the second on the next night at the same hour, the third upon the next night, and the last at the stroke of twelve. When it had said these words, the spectre floated up out into the dark, bleak night. The air was filled with moaning phantoms, and every one of them wore chains like Marley's ghost. They faded away. Scrooge closed the window, and examined the door by which the ghost had entered but it was still double locked as he had done with his own hands he tried to say humbug but stopped and he went straight to bed and fell asleep as soon as his head touched the pillow part two the first of the three spirits when scrooge awoke it was dark the chimes of a neighboring church struck the hour with a single deep melancholy single note light flashed up in the room and the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand and scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them right in front of his face and it was a strange figure like a child or an old man its white hair hung about its neck and down its back and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it Its legs and feet were bare, and it wore a white tunic with a shining belt. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand, and had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. "'Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me?' said Scrooge. The voice was soft and gentle. "'I am the ghost of Christmas past.' "'Long past?' inquired Scrooge. "'No, your past.' It put out its strong hand and clasped him gently by the arm. "'Rise and walk with me.' They passed through the wall and stood upon an, um, an open country road. Now it was a clear, cold winter day with snow upon the ground. "'Good heavens!' said Scrooge. "'I was a boy in this place.' He wiped away a tear and begged the, the ghost to lead him. "'You recollect the way?' inquired the spirit." "'Remember it,' said Scrooge. "'I could walk it blindfolded.' "'They walked along the road, "'Scrooge recognising every gate and tree "'until a little town appeared in the distance. "'Some shaggy ponies trotted towards them "'with boys upon their backs. "'All these boys shouted to each other merrily. "'Scrooge knew and named them every one. "'But these are shadows of the things that that have been,' "'said the ghost.' they do not see us but why was he filled with gladness when he heard them tell each other merry christmas as they parted what was merry christmas to scrooge what good had it ever done to him the school is not quite deserted said the ghost a lonely child neglected by his friends is there still scrooge said he knew it and he cried They soon approached a large house, its windows broken, and the many rooms cold and bare of food. They went, the ghost and Scrooge, to the back of the house, and a room with desks. At one of these, a lonely boy was reading near a feeble fire, and Scrooge sat down beside the poor boy, his old forgotten self as he used to be. He said, poor boy, and cried again. I wish, Scrooge muttered, after drying his eyes with his cuff. I wish, but it's too late now. What's the matter? asked the spirit. Nothing, said Scrooge, nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should have given him something, that's all. The ghost smiled thoughtfully and waved its hand, saying as it did so, let us see another Christmas. And there he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the holidays the door opened and a little girl came darting in and put her arms around his neck i have come to bring you home dear brother said the child we're to be together all christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world your sister said the ghost always a delicate creature but she had a large heart so she did cried scrooge you're right spirit She died a woman, said the ghost, and had, I think, one child, your nephew. Scrooge answered sadly, yes. All at once they were in a busy city. Here too it was Christmas time again, but it was evening, and the streets were all lit up. The ghost stopped at a warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. "Know it, said Scrooge, I was apprenticed here, At sight of an old gentleman behind a high desk, Scrooge cried in great excitement, "'Why, bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again, my old boss!' Scrooge's former self, now a young man, came in beside his fellow apprentice. Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock. He rubbed his hands and called out in a rich voice, "'No more work tonight, my boys,' said Fezziwig. "'Christmas Eve!' dick christmas eve ebenezer clear away lads it was done in a minute the floor was swept the lamps were trimmed fuel was heaped upon the fire and the warehouse became a snug warm and bright ballroom in came a fiddler with a music book in came mrs fezziwig and all three miss fezziwigs in came all the young men and women employed in the business the housemaid the baker the cook the milkman Away they all went, twenty couples at once. There were dances and games, and there was cake and roast beef and mince pies and plenty of ale. During all of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. He enjoyed everything. Now that he remembered the ghost, he became conscious that it was all, that it was looking full upon him. "'A small matter,' said the ghost.' to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small, echoed Scrooge. It isn't that spirit. He has the power to make our work a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as if it cost a fortune. He stopped. What's the matter? asked the ghost. Nothing particular, said Scrooge. Something, I think, the ghost insisted. No, Scrooge said. No, I should... I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. Scrooge and the ghost again stood in the open air. My time grows short, observed the spirit. Quick. Again, Scrooge saw himself. He was older now. He was not alone, but sat by a pretty young girl. In her eyes, there were tears. It matters little to you, she said softly. Another idol has taken my place it's the love of money. Goodbye, may you be happy in the life that you've chosen. Spirit, cried Scrooge, show me no more, I cannot bear it. Leave me, take me back, haunt me no longer. He was conscious of being exhausted and of being in his own bedroom. He had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. Part three, the second of the three spirits. Scrooge waited again. Now, when the bell struck one, he saw a ghostly light coming from the next room. He shuffled to the door. A strange voice called him by his name and bade him enter. The room was hung with holly and mistletoe, and a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney. Heaped up, heaped up like a throne were geese, pies, plum puddings chestnuts oranges pears cakes and punch upon this food couch there sat a jolly giant who held a glowing torch high up to shed its light on scrooge come in explained the ghost and know me better man scrooge entered timidly and hung his head i am the ghost of christmas present said the spirit look upon me scrooge reverently did so The spirit was clothed in a green robe, bordered with white fur. Its feet were bare, and on its head it wore a holly wreath, sat there, and there were shining icicles. You have never seen the like of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Spirit, said Scrooge, "Scrooge, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night, and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it touch my robe said the spirit feast fire room all vanished instantly and they stood in the city streets on a snowy christmas morning the sky was gloomy and yet there was an air of cheerfulness like a summer day soon the steeples called the people to church and away they came flocking through the streets in their best clothes and with their happiest faces The good spirit led him straight to Scrooge's clerks, holding on to his robe, and at the door the spirit smiled, and stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's dwelling. Think of that! Bob had but fifteen shillings a week himself, and yet the ghost of Christmas present blessed his little house. Then up rose Mrs Cratchit, dressed poorly in a worn dress. "'What has ever got to your precious father, then? said mrs cratchit to the little cratchits and your brother tiny tim in came bob the father in his threadbare clothes and tiny tim upon his shoulder sadly tiny tim held a little crutch and how did little tiny tim behave asked mrs cratchit as good as gold said bob he told me that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. At last the dishes were set on, and grace was said. Bob said he didn't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. Mrs Cratchit brought brought in the pudding like a speckled cannonball blazing with brandy, and with Christmas holly stuck upon the top, a wonderful pudding. Bob proposed a toast. A merry christmas to us all my dears god bless us god bless us everyone said tiny tim the last of all he sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool bob held his withered little hand in his as if he loved the child and wished to keep him by his side and dreaded that he might be taken from him spirit said scrooge with an interest he'd never felt before "'Tell me if Tiny Tim will live.' "'I see a vacant seat,' replied the ghost. "'In the corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. "'If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die.' "'No, no,' said Scrooge. "'Oh, no, kind spirit. Say he'll be spared.' "'If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, he will die this year.' repeated the ghost what then if he's going to die he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population scrooge hung his head ashamed to hear his own words spoken back to him man said the ghost will you decide what men shall live and what men shall die it may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. But now Scrooge heard his own name. Mr. Scrooge, toasted Bob, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast indeed, cried Mrs. Cratchit, reddening. My dear, was Bob's mild answer, Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health, for your sake and the days, said Mrs. Cratchit. Long life to him, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The children drank the toast after her, but they didn't care for it. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party. By and by, they had a song from Tiny Tim, who had a sweet little voice and sang it very well indeed. They were not a handsome family. They were not well-dressed, but they were happy grateful, pleased with one another and contented with time. Scrooge watched them and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. And now they travelled through coal miners' homes, past ships on the dark sea and everywhere they went, no matter how poor, every person hummed a Christmas tune or had a Christmas thought and every person, good or bad, had a kind word for another on that day. Scrooge heard a hearty laugh and recognised it as his own nephew's. He found himself in a bright, gleaming room, with the spirit standing smiling by his side. Ah, laugh. Ha 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 laughed Scrooge's nephew. He said that Christmas was a humbug as I live. He believed it too. More shame for him, Fred, said Scrooge's niece indignantly. He's a comical old fellow, said Scrooge's nephew and not so pleasant as he might be however his offenses carry their own punishment and i'm sorry for him who suffers by his ill temper himself always they had some music and played at games for it's good to be children sometimes and never better than at christmas they all played and sang and so did scrooge singing quite loud he begged like a boy to be allowed to stay until the guests departed. But this, the spirit said, could not be done. Much they saw, and far they went, and everywhere the spirit went, he left his blessing. It was a long night, and Scrooge noticed that the ghost grew older, and noticed that his hair was grey. "'Are spirits' lives so short?' said Scrooge. "'My life upon this globe is very brief.' replied the ghost It ends tonight at midnight listen the time is drawing near the bell struck 12 and the spirit disappeared as the last stroke ceased to vibrate he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley and lifting up his eyes beheld a solemn phantom draped and hooded coming like a mist along the ground towards him part 4 the last of the spirits. The phantom approached in a deep black garment, which left nothing of it visible save one bony hand. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, said Scrooge. You're about to show me the shadows of things that will happen, is that so, spirit? Scrooge's legs trembled beneath him. Ghost of the future, he exclaimed. I fear you more than any spectre I've seen but I know your purpose is to do me good, and I'm prepared to bear you company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me?' It gave him no reply. The hand was pointed straight ahead. "'Lead on,' said Scrooge. "'Lead on. The night is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit.' The phantom moved away. They were in the heart of the city, amongst the merchants, who hurried up and down and chinked the money in their pockets.' as Scrooge had seen them often. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Pointing to them, Scrooge advanced to listen to their talk. "'No,' said a great fat man with a monstrous chin. "'I don't know much about it. I only know he's dead.' "'When did he die?' inquired another. "'Last night, I believe.' "'What's he done with his money?' "'I haven't heard,' said the man with a large chin, yawning.' It's likely to be a very cheap funeral, for I don't know of anybody to go to it. "'I don't mind going if lunch is provided,' laughed one gentleman. Scrooge knew the men and looked towards the spirit for an explanation. Scrooge fancied that the unseen eyes of the ghost were looking at him closely. It made him shudder and feel very cold. They went into a dirty part of town where the shops and houses reeked with filth and misery.' There was a shop where greasy junk was bought. Scrooge and the Phantom came into this shop of Old Joe's, just as two women and a man carried in bundles, laughing, came out. The man produced his plunder first. A pencil case and a brooch were all. Old Joe added up his prices upon the wall. "'I know those things,' Scrooge said. "'They're just like mine, and they're worth much more than what this man is paying. Who's next?' said joe mrs Dilber was next sheets and towels two old-fashioned silver teaspoons a pair of sugar tongs and a few boots her account was stated on the wall in the same manner i paid two i paid two shillings ten for teaspoons just like those scrooge objected and now onto my bundle joe said the next woman joe dragged out a large and heavy roll of some dark stuff, the same fabric and colour as Scrooge's bed curtains. Bed curtains," said Joe. "You don't mean to say you took 'em down, rings and all, with him lying there dead?" "Yes, I do," replied the woman. "Why not? His blankets too." "Whose else do you think?" replied the woman. "And that's the best shirt he had, and a fine one too. They'd have wasted it if he hadn't, if it hadn't been for me." "'Putting it on him to be buried in,' she laughed, "'but I took it off again.' Scrooge looked at a shirt just like his own shirt and listened in horror. "'Ha!' laughed the same woman who old Joe paid the three out to. "'This is the end of it, you see. "'He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive "'to profit us when he was dead.' "'Spirit,' said Scrooge, shuddering from head to foot, "'I see, I see that the case of this unhappy man might be my own.' merciful heaven, what is this? He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed, a bare, uncurtained bed, on which beneath a ragged sheet there lay the body of this man. He lay in the dark, empty house, with no one to tell his story or mourn his death. Spirit, said Scrooge, this is a tearful place. Let us go, The Scrooge conducted him to poor Bob Cratchit's house and found the mother and the children seated around the fire. Very quiet, the little Cratchits were as still as statues in one corner, with Peter who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were sewing, but surely they were very, very quiet. His mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. "'It must be past your father's time,' she said." Peter said, shutting up his book, but I think he's walked a little slower than he used to these last few evenings, mother. At last, she said, he used to walk with tiny Tim upon his shoulder, very fast indeed, but he was very light to carry and his father loved him so much. Ah, there's your father at the door. She hurried out to meet him. Bob broke down all at once and cried. He couldn't help it. They drew around the fire and talked. Bob told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr Scrooge's nephew, whom he had scarcely seen but once. "I'm heartily I'm heartly, heartily sorry for it, Mr Cratchit," Fred had said, "and sorry for your good wife. I'm I'm sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny team, Tim, shall we?" "Never, father," they all cried. "Specter," said Scrooge, Tell me tell me what man that was who we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come did not answer, but led him straight on until they reached an iron gate. A churchyard. Here then the wretched man whose name he had now to learn lay underneath the ground. Answer me one question, said Scrooge, are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they the shadows of the things that may be only the spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge followed the finger and read upon the stone of the grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. The finger pointed from the grave to him and back again. "'No, spirit! Oh, no!' The finger was still there. "'Spirit!' he cried, tightly clutching at its robe. "'Hear me! I'm not the man I was! Why show me this, if I am past all hope?' but for the first time the hand appeared to shake. Good spirit, he pursued, I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me, can I, sp- I can sponge away the writing on this stone, can't I? In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. The phantom's hood and dress shrunk, collapsed and dwindled down onto a bedpost part 5 the end of it yes and the bedpost was his own the bed was his own the room was his own best and happiest of all the time before him was his own to make amends in i will live in the past the present and the future scrooge repeated as he scrambled out of the bed the spirits of all three shall strive within me Oh, Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I say this on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. His face was wet with tears. They are not torn down, cried Scrooge, folding one of his bed curtains in his arms. They are not torn down, rings and all. They are here. I am here. The shadows of the things that would have been may be dispelled. They will be. I know they will. I don't know what to do, cried Scrooge, laughing and crying in the same breath. I'm as light as a feather, and I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody, a Happy New Year to the whole world. He'd frisked into the sitting room was now, and now was standing there. There's the door by which the ghost of Jacob Marley entered, cried Scrooge, starting off again and going around the fireplace. There's the corner where the ghost of Christmas presents sat. And there's the window where I saw the wandering spirits... It's all right. It's all true. It all happened. Really, for a man who'd been out of practice for so many years, this was a splendid laugh that he just admitted. I don't know what the what day of the month it is, said Scrooge. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. Never mind. I don't even care. The churches began ringing out louder and clear than, than he'd ever heard. Clash, clang, hammer, ding, dong, bell. What a glorious, glorious sound. Running to the window, he opened it and put out his head. No fog, no mist, just clear, bright, cold, golden sunlight. Heavenly sky, fresh, sweet air, merry bells. What a glorious, glorious day. What's today? cried Scrooge, calling down to a boy in Sunday clothes. Eh? returned the boy. What's today, my fine fellow? said Scrooge. Today? Today? replied the boy. "'Why, it's Christmas Day, sir.' "'It's Christmas Day,' said Scrooge to himself. "'I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like, of course they can.' "'Hello, my fine fellow.' "'Hello,' returned the boy. "'Do you know the poultry shop in the next street at the corner?' Scrooge inquired. "'I certainly do,' replied the lad. "'An intelligent boy,' said Scrooge. "'A remarkable boy.' Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey, the big one. What, the one as big as me? returned the boy. What a delightful boy, said Scrooge. Yes, yes. It's hanging there now, replied the boy. Is it? said Scrooge. Go and buy it. What? exclaimed the boy. I'm in earnest, said Scrooge. Go and tell him to bring it here that I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the man and i'll give you a shilling come back with him in less than five minutes and i'll give you half a crown the boy was off like a shot i'll send it to bob cratchits said scrooge to himself rubbing his hands and splitting with a laugh he shan't know who sends it it's twice the size of tiny tim he wrote the address somehow and went downstairs to open the street door ready for the coming of the poulterer's man as he stood there waiting his arrival the knocker caught his eye. "'I shall love it as long as I live,' cried Scrooge, patting it with his hand. "'It's a wonderful knocker.' "'Ah, here's the turkey. Hello again. Merry Christmas.' And it was a turkey. Huge. "'Why, it's impossible to carry that to Camden Town,' said Scrooge. "'You must have a cab.' The chuckle with which he said this, and the chuckle with which he paid for the turkey, and the chuckle with which he paid for the cab, and the chuckle with which he paid the boy—' were only to be exceeded by the chuckle with which he sat down breathless in his chair again and chuckled until he cried. He dressed himself up all in his best and at last got out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth as he'd seen them with the ghost of Christmas present, and Scrooge regarded everyone with a delighted smile. Three or four good-humoured fellows said, Good morning, sir. Merry Christmas to you and Scrooge said open, Scrooge said often afterwards that of all the happy sounds he'd ever heard, those were the happiest in his ears. He'd not gone far. When coming on towards him, he beheld the gentleman who'd walked into his counting house the day before. It sent a pang across his heart to think about how this old gentleman would look upon him when they met, but he knew what path lay straight before him, and he took it. "'My dear sir,' said Scrooge, quickening his pace and taking the old gentleman by both his hands. "'How do you do? I hope to, I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. "'A Merry Christmas to you, sir. Allow me to ask you your pardon. "'And will you have the goodness to allow me to give you?' "'Here,' Scrooge whispered in his ear. "'Goodness me!' cried the gentleman, as if his breath were taken away. "'My dear Mr Scrooge, are you serious?' "'If you please,' said Scrooge, not a farthing less.' "'A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will me, Will you do me that favour, "'My dear sir,' said the other man, shaking hands with him. "'I don't know what to say.' "'Don't say anything, please,' retorted Scrooge. "'Will you come and see me?' "'I will,' cried the old gentleman, and it was clear he meant to do it. "'Thank you,' said Scrooge. "'I am much obliged to you. Thank you fifty times, and God bless you.' He went to church and walked about the streets, and watched the people hurrying to and fro, and patted children on the head, and found that everything could give him pleasure. He'd never dreamed that anything could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times, before he had the courage to go up and knock, but he made a dash, and he did it. Is your master home, my dear?' said Scrooge to the girl. "'Yes, sir,' where is he my love said scrooge he's in the dining room sir along with his mistress Uh, uh, i'll show you upstairs if you please he knows me said scrooge with his hand already on the on the dining room lock i'll go in there myself my dear fred said scrooge why bless my soul cried fred who's that it is i your uncle scrooge i've come to dinner will you let me in fred let him in it's a mercy he didn't shake his arm off he was at home in five minutes. Nothing could be heartier. Wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful happiness. But he was, early at the, he was early at the office the next morning. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was full 18 minutes and a half behind his time. Scrooge sat with the door wide open that he might see him coming into the tank his hat was off before he opened the door he was on his stool in a jiffy driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock hello hello growled, growled scrooge in an accustomed voice as near as he could feign it what do you mean by coming here at this time of day i'm very sorry sir said bob i'm behind my time you are repeated Scrooge. Yes, I think you are. Step this way, sir, if you please. It's only once a year, pleaded Bob, appearing from the tank. It, sh- it shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I've got a bit-, a bit of a hangover, if I'm honest. But I'm good for work, I promise. Now I'll tell you what, my friend, said Scrooge. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, he continued, and therefore... I'm about to raise your salary. Bob trembled. He had a momentary idea of knocking Scrooge down, holding him and calling to the people in the hospital to help and with a straitjacket. A Merry Christmas, Bob, said Scrooge with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I've given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavour to assist your struggling family and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon bob make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another i bob cratchit scrooge was better than his word he did it all and infinitely more and to tiny tim who did not die he was like a second father he became as good a friend as good a master and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city town or borough in the good old world some people laughed to see the alteration in him but he let them laugh his own heart laughed and he was quite and that was quite enough for him he had no further meetings with spirits ever afterwards and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge may that be truly said of us and all of us and so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. So that was A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, and that's the end of this episode. I hope you have a nice Christmas. For now, though, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.